And we are live. Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen. Bienvenidos, senoras y senores. This is the NAI Ball Podcast. Coming to you live, it's Tuesday, March 30th, 2021. Season 4, Episode 10, the NAI Ball Podcast coming to you right now. And before we get going, we have to thank our sponsors over at Silverback Sports. That's ShopSilverback.com and at ShopSilverback for socials. Absolutely have to check them out. They are huge fans of the NAI Ball Podcast. They are NAI-made company. They are an NAI-produced company. They are run by NAI coaches and former players of this level, you have to check them out while you're listening to the show. Go on over, give them a follow on Instagram and Twitter. If you haven't done so already, if you have go ahead and like all their tweets, like all their pictures, like all their information, send them a message. Why don't you also check out the website at shopsilverback.com. That's going to be shopsilverback.com. Durable and affordable arm care and training essentials that you need to be using Whether it be individual or team use, the people at Silverback Sports can help you. So welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Robbie Gutierrez, at RobG1063. And joining me, as always, is the foremost authority on NAI baseball, Mr. Cody Butler. Cody will join us right now, but we've got shout-outs and mentions. Best of the week, week in review, our discussions. We're going to go over some conference deep dives, maybe even a look at a little top 25 action as we get ready for that. Coming here on Wednesday, we will have an Instagram Live for that as well. The NAI Ball Podcast Hitter and Pitcher of the Week. Games and series to watch, and then our big series of the week takes us down to the Sun Conference. But now, Cody Butler, baby, what's going on? I'm doing well, man. This second week always feels like a good week for us when they drop the conference ratings on Monday, hopefully, and then the national poll on Wednesday. It's a good week for us. We get excited, some changes. Gives us something to talk about. We were waiting for those conference ratings a lot yesterday. And, uh, you know, that was something that kind of anticipating coming out. We did see them come out uh, late, late, late in the day. So we're happy to have those out and take a look at them. We can kind of take a look overall at, uh, you know, some changes that might be coming to the top 25, maybe some spots opening up. But it'll be really interesting to see what the Raiders do here in this next top 25. And we could realistically, Cody, have pretty much a big matchup in our big series of the week that I think for sure we'll have two top 10 teams, but absolutely we, we might even be looking at a, you know, a top six or seven matchup there, even possibly a top five just really depends on how things shake up and move around in those, you know, coaches, uh, the Raiders, the coaches who rate the NAI coaches poll in those rankings. So we'll take a look at that here in a moment, but first we got to get some shout outs and some mentions this week. We'll kick things off. Texas Wesleyan head baseball coach Robert Garza won his 100th career game in an 11-9 conference victory over Mid-America Christian. The Rams' first baseman, Grayson Bennett, hit four home runs with 10 RBIs in the series sweep. Concordia University Ann Arbor head baseball coach Zach Johnston won his 200th game on Monday in a 5-2 conference victory over Indiana Tech. The Cardinals open whack play 3-1 against Uno and Indiana Tech on Sunday and Monday. Columbia starting pitcher Chris Wall threw a no-hitter with 16 punch-outs in the conference win over Harris-Stowe State. They're now, he's now 11-0 with a .81 ERA in 77 innings, dating all the way back to the start of 2020. Kentucky Christian freshman Evan Juniper had a heck of a week that we will talk about a little later in the show as well. And then Concordia starting pitcher Jake Fosgett struck out 17 in six innings against Dort on Friday. 
He now has 46 strikeouts and 25 innings pitched this season with an ERA of 1.07. Mobile second baseman Dalton Roan extended his hitting streak to 24 games over the weekend, a program record for Mobile. Mount Mercy starting pitcher Drake Willenborg lost a perfect game with one out to go. He finished off the complete game sh- shutout with 10 strikeouts over Graceland. He's now 6-0 with a .76 ERA this season. A heck of a start to the year for Drake. Our Lady of the Lake starting pitcher Alec Martinez and closer Jose Diaz combined to throw a no-hitter in the win over LSU Shreveport, a big win that we will talk about later in the show as well. Texas A&M, Texarkana freshman and third baseman Hunter Reed hit three home runs on Saturday. He's now hitting 406, eight doubles, eight long balls, and 29 RBIs this season. Mid-American Nazarene Dante Freeman hit three home runs and a win over Grandview on Monday. Tabor starting pitcher Austin Seidel tied a program record with 16 punch-outs in the KCAC win over York. Reinhardt starting pitcher Daniel Delinsky Broke the program record for career strikeouts with 224 chairs he's thrown in his career. He's 19-6 and six in his career with a 3.26 ERA in 209 innings pitch. Southwest Assemblies of God starting pitcher Augie Martinez shut out number 21 Oklahoma City University in a 10-0 upset on Friday. It was OCU's first shutout in 218 games. What a streak to snap for Sagu. Point Park's closer, Ruben Ramirez, recorded four saves over the weekend, punching out 14 in six scoreless innings. Lions' Allen West struck out 11 in a complete game shutout over Williams Baptist on Friday. He followed it up on Saturday with a 2021 NAI single-game high six hits. And then Dakota State freshman Jace Pribel saw his hitting streak come to an end at 20 games on Monday. Cody, there were a lot of shout-outs and mentions this week. What really stands out to you? I'm just happy for Chris Wall, man, to get the no-hitter. In 2019, we were covering him on NAIA ball. Uh, he went eight and two-thirds no-hit baseball against Missouri Baptist in the conference tournament. Ended up giving up a single with two outs in the ninth. Absolutely brutal. Uh, so he bounced back two years later and actually finished the job, got the no-hitter. I'm just happy for him. He'll be able to have that. For myself, I, I've got to go with Texas Wesleyan head baseball coach Robert Garza because without him, there is – uh, no me ever experiencing NAI baseball uh, brought me in at Northwood University in Cedar Hill, Texas, a uh, kid from McAllen and, you know, super grateful to Coach Garza for everything he's done for me and uh, being part of a great coaching tandem when I was in college with uh, Coach Garza and Coach Kennedy, who's now at Loyola. Coach Garza, of course, the head baseball coach at Texas Wesleyan right now. So uh, congratulations, G, on on 100, you know, career wins for yourself. I'm super ecstatic for you, man. And uh, grateful that we've gone from player and coach to, you know, being friends for for years now, and uh, I wouldn't want it any other way. So I'm I'm definitely thankful. I mean, you're somebody who used to leave the you know your office door open so I could do homework late at night when I'm you know uh, getting my getting the team laundry done back in the day. So uh, I I definitely definitely appreciate Coach G and everything he's done. I'm so happy for those dudes at Texas Wesleyan that get to experience him the same way that I did as well. Moving on here, Cody, to best of the week, week in review, and plenty to go over, Cody, but we will kick things off with Oklahoma Wesleyan sweeping McPherson. 5-1 to one, Oklahoma Wesleyan, 3-2 to two, Oklahoma Wesleyan, and 6-5 Oklahoma Wesleyan. I mean, huge series sweep for Oklahoma Wesleyan. You have the top two teams in the KCAC, number 16 versus number 17, and uh, Oklahoma Wesleyan showed some separation, man. Only four total home runs hit in the series. Honestly, I was expecting a lot more. Hats off to the pitching. 
Crosby Bringhurst, Oklahoma Wesleyan pitcher game one, absolute gem. Six innings, one run baseball with seven strikeouts. Jesus Rojas went three for three with an RBI double in game one. The Eagles picked that one up five to one. 2020 All-NAI ball first baseman Cody Muncie went two for four with a home run in game two. Uh, score was tied two to two late in the seventh. And Oklahoma Wesleyan leadoff hitter Hector Mignon walked it off, scoring from third on a wild pitch, uh, gave the Eagles a three to two win. Reliever Brandon Bell picked up the win, throwing 1.1 scoreless. Pair of three-run innings in game three proved to be the difference for Wesleyan as reliever Michael Mendoza threw a gem. And no, not Southeastern assistant and our friend Michael Mendoza. <laughs> Leslie's Michael Mendoza entered the game in a 3-3 contest, and he held McPherson in check, throwing 5.1 scoreless in relief. The Eagles added three runs in the six, got him the win, and completed the sweep. Really big weekend for Oklahoma Wesleyan, man. They're 22-3. and three. It's time to start putting some respect on their name. They're clearly back. Whatever last year was is not the case this season. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they have a three-game conference lead heading into April. Absolutely. They were flying under the radar for a little bit, and now they are here. You cannot ignore them. Oklahoma Wesleyan is back, and they are ready to roll. They are absolutely doing some big things out in the KCAC this year. And to share your point, uh, I would actually like to see Doza get on the mound, and maybe Adrian Dinkle can set that up for us at Southeastern practice one of these days. So uh would totally, totally, totally enjoy seeing that from Doza. Moving on here to LSUS versus Our Lady of the Lake, and a huge one for the Saints, the boys out of San Antonio, Texas. They sweep the pilots of LSU Shreveport. one nothing in game number one where Alex Martinez, Alec Martinez and Jose Diaz threw a no-hitter. 8-6 in game two. 8-5 in game three, and 7-5 in game four. Cody, I'm actually going to take this one. I know this is kind of your territory, but I was there for games three and most of game four. Uh, it's a 250-mile drive, so I took off a little early. Uh, but absolutely impressive from Our Lady of Lake, who did everything right. I, I really, you know, I love going to these games because I get to really – write my notes down and, and take a deeper look. And it's so much different getting to watch teams in person uh, than it is watching them on, you know, on video. And so it's, it's definitely different. And earlier in the year I had said, and, and I'll admit this myself, I had said that the Red River Athletic Conference was a race for second, but Our Lady Lake, Cody, absolutely came out and handled things. The hot bat really in the whole series was going to be Jacob Mitchell. I mean, he had three multi-hit games in the series, eight total RBIs. He had a three-run home run that really set the tone and was the difference maker in game number three. He's hitting 341 on the season with 28 hits, 25 RBIs. Jose Diaz is an absolute monster. Uh, he had two saves, came in in another game as well. His numbers for 2021 are no ERA, 17 innings pitch, five saves overall, and 29 punch outs. I mean, it's just... Everything clicked. Uh, I got to give a shout out to Ram Maldonado, who was on the mound in game number three, who threw five fantastic innings, only allowed two hits. He only struck out one, but he forced so much bad contact and bad contact on the infield as well, forcing eight ground balls over five innings uh, that made life a lot easier for himself. And the infield made some really good, solid plays. They did everything right. And that was the, the difference is that LSUS Cody, we know is a power hitting team. They might not have the pitching this season that is going to really overpower people, but their hitting is, is very good. And so LSU Shreveport came out at least on day two as well. And even though they scored five runs, they didn't hit like normal. They didn't hit like you would expect them to hit. They, they did not look uh, like they were 
they just came out a little flat at the end of the day is, is the, the saying for it. And Our Lady Lake did everything right. They did everything right. And right now, Cody, they control their own destiny going into weekends, back-to-back weekends with LSU Alexandria and then Texas A&M Texas Arcana to really put some distance between themselves and everybody else and make it a one-two race. And despite there only being seven teams playing currently in this conference, it is a two-bid league, Cody. Oh, it absolutely is, man. And I didn't think Our Lady of the Lake was going to make that jump. I mean, you look at what LSU did last year. Uh, they were incredible. I mean, finishes the number six team in the country. And then for Our Lady of the Lake, start out the season on five. And, I mean, let's talk about it. They probably already cleared their toughest hurdle in Shreveport. Yeah, the sky's the ceiling for them. Yeah, you got to handle your business, and, and you just got to take it from there. Shout out to Brian Ogney and, and the Saints. You know, they, they've bought into the program. They're a young team still. To, it's mainly sophomores and juniors this year, whereas last year it was mainly uh, freshmen and sophomores. So they've really bought into the system. He's developed those guys, and, and they're really starting to click. So Our Lady of Lake making some big strides. Moving on here in our weekend review, Asbury and IU Southeast. IU Southeast sweeps Asbury 7-6. to six in 11 innings in game number one, 18 to one in game number two, and then a 4-3 matchup in game number three. Yeah, I mean, the top two teams in the River States Conference, and you had two walk-offs and an absolute beat-down sandwich there in the middle. Uh, Friday night game, I actually got to watch the end of it. It was as good of a game as you're going to see this season. An 11-inning thriller, but both teams had the chance to win. Asbury had a chance, man. They scored a run in the 10th. You get three outs after that, and you win the game. They couldn't do it. IUS was able to extend their game with a run. And then Bertie Tanksley, a walk-off RBI single in the 11th. He's been incredible for them all season. Game two, all Grenadiers wasn't even close. RSC player of the week, Matt Monahan, the San Xavier transfer. He went four for four with a double, a home run, and six runs batted in. Game three, IUS trailed three-nothing late, but they rallied with two in the fifth, one in the sixth to tie it, and they walked it off with a Marco Romero RBI single in the seventh. They were able to sweep the series. Honestly, really surprised me. I thought Asbury was going to come in there and potentially take this series. But IUS said, no shot, man. This is still our conference. And they were able to get it done. You know, they've been the more experienced team over the last few years. They've made national tournaments. And uh, they showed that even though they dropped some series this year to good teams in Huntington and good teams in Tennessee Wesleyan, they're still the top dog in this conference right now. They're 12-0, and and they're playing really good baseball. Hunter Cloak pitched a really good game for them in game two. And uh, just look at some of the guys. Clay Wiesty, he had multiple hits in all three games. Uh, they're 12-0 in conference. They extend their conference lead to three games. Obviously, they'll have that big series of Point Park. But, man, if they handle business with Point Park, you know, you got to like their chances to win that conference. Taylor and Huntington met this weekend, and Huntington won the series a huge win for the Foresters, three games to one, 7-6 to six for Taylor, 5-2 Huntington, 8-7 Huntington, and 4-2 Huntington. Cody, tell us about this one. This snapped Taylor's 17-game winning streak that lasted 44 days. I mean, 44 days in a row without a loss for Taylor. They've been playing incredible baseball. They were able to hang on. Game one was absolutely wild, too. This game went into extra innings, went 11 innings as well. Taylor scored four runs in the top of the 11th. They went up 7-3. Huntington responds with three runs in the bottom half. The game ends on a special sequence double play. Uh, sack fly out to right field. Uh, runner left first eight early, so Taylor was able to double him up. The game ends on that. Crazy finish. Taylor wins 7-6. Game two, constantly even crazier. Alex McCutcheon throws a no-hitter through five innings. He has a no-hitter going, but rain postpones it until Monday, which obviously they're not going to bring him back on short rest. So they brought in a relief feature. He got the win. They ended up winning 5-2. to two. Uh, Just great performance for Alex McCutcheon. And game three, just as wild as game one, but this time it went in Huntington's favor. Huntington was down 7-4 to four in the final inning of game three, and they rallied with four runs. 
A pass ball scored one, two sack flies scored two, and then a walk-off RBI single by Jarrett Gray. That put them up 2-1 to one in the series. Taylor's first two conference losses of the season kind of summed them. And then Mason Schoenberry threw an absolute gem in game four. Seven innings pitch, only gave up three hits, two runs. In McCutcheon went two for four with a home run. Absolutely monster series for Huntington. This is a team, as we mentioned a minute ago, has a sweep over the RSC leading Indiana Southeast. They've played very good baseball this year. And to go out there and knock off a Taylor team that won 17 games in a row, you beat them three straight times to win the series, they're right back in it in the crossroads league. Huge weekend for Huntington, even spilling into you know the later part of the weekend. Freed Hardeman and Southeastern SEU took three of four versus Freed Hardeman, 10-3 Southeastern, 8-4 Freed Hardeman, 11-4 Southeastern, 14-8 SEU. A massive offensive weekend for Southeastern. 39 runs scored. They scored 10-plus in three of their four games. Uh, just kind of flex while they're one of the best offenses in the country. First baseman Nick Batari doubled four times. He tripled. Homer but five runs batted in. Pedro Castellano had 11 RBIs in the series. Uh, some good pitching performances by the relievers. Ryan Munoz combined for six innings. Only gave up one run and he struck out nine. Al Pesto, the Duke transfer, three hitless innings in relief, struck out four, didn't give up a run. Really good stuff from him. Freed Hardeman was able to pick a game up off Southeastern. Alex Huey threw seven and a third, allowing only three runs. He pitched really well. Uh, first baseman Josh Sears hit three home runs in the series with five RBIs. Good showing by Freed Hardeman offensively. They were able to put some runs up on Gillespie, and they were able to you know put some runs up all weekend, but just too much offense for Southeastern. Offensively, they're going to overwhelm you, especially in Lakeland. That's a hitter-friendly park, and you know they just have one of the best offenses in the country. I don't know if anyone can contain them there. Uh, good weekend for Southeastern. Pick up three wins over a quality club. They just continue to show why they're one of the best in the country. And then, Cody, we will end it off going out west. Hope International and Vanguard, they split the series 8-4 HIU, 2-1 Vanguard, 3-2 Hope, and then 5-4 Vanguard. A really close series between the two top 10 teams in the nation. Three of the four games were decided by one run. Uh, both teams have split back-to-back weekends now, so they're 4-4 four and four the last two weeks. And I wanted to give a shout-out to Ottawa, Arizona, for back-to-back series wins over the Masters and Arizona Christian. I mean, to just take three or four both weekends in a row is really impressive. This is a team that started baseball in 2019 and finished 7-44. and 44. Uh, 2020, last year before the shutdown, they were 8-15. and 15. And now this season, you see the progress. They're 16-15, and 15, but they're 6-2 and two after two really good conference wins. So, Cody, let's, let's jump into our, our conference deep dives, but let's keep it out west because every single year, this is kind of a conference that – we just have no idea what the heck is going to happen. Uh, you know, it's it can be such dog eat dog. Here we were thinking that Vanguard is just going to up and run away with it, and then they're a game and a half up over Hope International now. Only one team in this conference is not playing due to COVID nineteen, and that's Menlo. Overall, though, this conference is split into two groups. You won't see that on DAC stats, but this conference is split into what they are calling the GSAC West and the GSAC East. And the GSAC West has five teams in it. The GSAC East has three teams. And, Cody, the real reason for this is uh, some difference in COVID protocols that the schools are doing. But the way that this conference is going to work is we're basically going to have a conference title game at the end of the year. I don't know if it's going to be like a three-game series or uh, one-game winner-take-all yet. I I don't really know. Maybe you'll have an idea to that. But if the season ended today, Vanguard – would be playing Ottawa, Arizona for the GSAC Baseball Championship. Ultimately, 
this is a a one bid league, which it really shouldn't be. But this is a one bid league, and only one team can get an automatic bid out of this out of this conference. Uh, Vanguard and Ottawa, Arizona would be competing for that if the season ended today when West plays East. But a game and a half up is Vanguard over Hope International, and then Ottawa, Arizona, currently eight games into their uh, GSAC East matchups has three game leads over both Arizona Christian and the Masters. Westmont is not out of the hunt either. They're just two and a half back right now. The last I checked also, William Jessup and Westmont were playing right now. William Jessup was up on Westmont early in the game. They're five and a half back. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be an exciting finish, especially in the GSAC West. But you have three teams that are obviously three of the better teams in the country with Vanguard, Hope International, and Westmont. Uh, Vanguard has the lead, but they're going to have to play well down the stretch. You know, if they play well in that Westmont series and they take care of business against San Diego Christian and William Jessup, you know, they're going to represent that side of the bracket in the championship series. The championship series is going to be three games. It's going to be East versus West. Three games are going to play two on Monday and a winner take all if necessary on Tuesday. And I think this conference has been really good all year. I think it's Vanguard's to lose, but I think Hope International has a lot to play for, obviously. And so does Westmont. I mean, you're only a couple of games back. We know that these teams can split. I mean, you look at it, these teams have been losing two games every single weekend lately. So I just think there's so much to play for. Yeah, no, there's there's going to be a lot to play for. I mean, right now the GSAC East is, is you know, three games separate everybody, and that's that's one weekend series. And then the GSAC West, I mean, it's two and a half between first place and third place. Every single year this this conference just feels like it just comes down to the absolute wire. It feels like it's just something that's, really just kind of unavoidable. We, we think that, you know, honestly, we thought Vanguard was was going to kind of run away with this. Hope International has come storming back into this. Westmont and William Jessup aren't going anywhere. Uh, I think we, it's safe to say San Diego Christian right now is is kind of played played this, themselves out of it. They're 15 and a half back. But both in the East and the West, three games separating first and third and less than three games in the West separating first and third with William Jessup being five and a half back, it is going to be a crazy, crazy, crazy finish into the GSAC West. Uh, Cody, if you had to give a prediction about who's meeting in this conference championship, uh, who would you say is representing the West and the East? Well, right now, let's keep it chalk. I want the underdog story. We're going to go Vanguard and Ottawa. Wouldn't that be something? I mean, that'd be really something if Ottawa, Arizona can go out there and shock the world like that. Yeah, Ottawa, Arizona's 16-15 and 15 overall, but 6-2 and two in the GSAC East. And again, this is just a conference that we have no idea. We constantly say it on this show. We have no idea. I think uh, it's going to be real close. I think Arizona Christian's going to play themselves into it, and I think we're going to get an Arizona Christian in Vanguard GSAC Championship Series that, again, like Cody said, would be three games. We're going to move on here to our next conference deep dive. Let's take a look, Cody, at the Crossroads League. And taking a look at the standings in the Crossroads League right now, Indiana Wesleyan is 15 and 1. Taylor is 13 and 3. Huntington 11 and 5. St. Francis 10 and 6. Marion 9 and 7. Spring Arbor 8 and 8. Grace 6 and 10. Mount Vernon Nazarene 5 and 11. Bethel 3 and 13. And then Goshen is 0 and 16 in that conference, man. Two games separate Indiana Wesleyan and Taylor. And that is a matchup that we have already been keeping our eye on for next week when they meet. But Huntington coming off of a huge series victory over Taylor, this one is going to be interesting as well. Yeah, it really is. It feels like a three-team race. I think three te- they have a shot to get three teams in the national tournament, which is not you know not the norm. I mean, you look at teams like Taylor, Indiana, Wesleyan, and Huntington. I think they're really good. I think they're all three really good. 
I'm still picking Taylor. I picked Taylor before the season. I'm not changing that just because they lost the series this weekend. I think they got to go in there and they got to handle business. They can't drop the series to Indiana Wesleyan next week. But I think if they handle business there and they let the cards play out, uh, I think that they're going to be really good. I mean, you look at it right now, they only have three conference losses. Uh, Indiana Wesleyan dropping a game to Bethel honestly kind of helped them. When they had a bad weekend, you have another team drop a game. Now you're only two behind, not three, you know. So I think Huntington obviously has a chance. But my money right now is on Taylor. But I think all three teams have a chance to get in the national tournament. I think they should. I don't know if they will, honestly. I guess because you would need an at-large, depending on who it would be. Like maybe Taylor could steal an at-large, depending on who that team would be. But, yeah, I think three teams are worthy. And I think this is a good conference this year. But I'm rolling with Taylor. Who you got? You know, th- that's going to be interesting because when you look at at their conference, you know, where they're at in, in conference statistics, Indiana Wesleyan is the only team hitting above 300 this season. Um, the next closest would be Mount Vernon Nazarene. And so next week it's unavoidable. We got this big matchup between Indiana Wesleyan and Taylor. Uh, Taylor's a 252 hitting team. Indiana Wesleyan's a, a 308. But when it comes to pitching, Cody, that's the big separation point for Taylor. They're the only staff in the conference with a sub three ERA. Taylor's got a 285 ERA. I think Taylor, if they come out and take that series against Indiana Wesleyan, they will win the, the conference. I think they're going to win the conference. It would not shock me, though, if Indiana Wesleyan or Huntington won the conference as well. Uh, but I'm going to stick with Taylor also. But at the end of the day, neither of those teams would shock me. This is a two-bid league. Ten-team league, two bids. The crossroads, no matter what, is going to get two teams into the national tournament. If I had to you know, just put my money on somebody right now, I would say Taylor and Indiana Wesleyan are the favorites for that. But you know, it's, things are tight. Things are tight. Huntington is just four games back in third place. St. Francis, at the end of the day, 19-11 overall, 10-6 and six in conference is five games back. A lot can change in a matter of time, you know, and, and quickly. Taylor at home is undefeated, Cody. And I don't know where Indiana Wesleyan and Taylor are going to play each other, but there is a huge difference in these teams between at home and on the road. Indiana Wesleyan, 14-1 and at home, 2-0 and neutral site. And then Taylor is 12-0 and at home, 12-9 and on the road. Indiana Wesleyan, 9-8 and on the road. Do you, do you know where that, conf- where that series is going to take place? That series is going to be on the road at Indiana Wesleyan. Yeah, so they're going to Taylor's going to be traveling. It's going to be at IWU. Indiana Wesleyan has had a lot of success at home this season. It is going to be really interesting. Cody, maybe possible big series of the week. Things to keep an eye on. We still have a weekend to go that we need to look at. So plenty to check out. But um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Taylor in that one. If if we had to just put you know our our bets down on that conference. We're going to switch things up here, and we've done the West. We've done a team in the North, conference in the North. Let's head back down to the Southwest and the Sooner Athletic Conference, where things right now are really tight, Cody. Southwest Christian leads the Sooner Athletic Conference right now with an 8 and 1 conference record. They're actually 26 and 4 overall. But when it comes to that Sooner Athletic Conference rating, Southwest Christian gets that third place spot. And when it comes to where the coaches rank the teams in the Sooner Athletic Conference, Science and Arts gets the first spot. Oklahoma City gets the second. 25-4, and four, Southwestern Christian gets the third. And then Texas Wesleyan the fourth with Wayland Baptist and Sagu in the 5-6. It is going to be really interesting to see what happens in this conference, Cody, because Southwest Christian is 8-1. and one, USAO is 7-2. and two, Oklahoma City is 7-2. and two, Wayland is 6-3. and three, Texas Wesleyan is 5-4. and four. And those are the teams with winning records right now in conference play. 
that have a chance to go in this. So essentially, three games separate first and fifth. Usually it kind of feels like USAO and OCU. Uh, this year, I'm not sure, man. I feel like they're definitely closer to the pack, right? I mean, wouldn't you agree with that? I don't think that there is you know, more upper echelon than the rest of these teams this year. Uh, unfortunately for USAO Oklahoma City, they literally don't play until May. So they play the last day of April and then May 1st. So this series, this conference literally could come down to the wire. Uh, really good series this weekend with Wayland Baptist and USAO. I'm looking forward to that. That'll be kind of a telltale there. Good pitching versus good hitting. And, yeah, I'm really just kind of interested to see what Southwestern Christian can do. They have the great record. They don't have the great resume. They do have a win over Oklahoma Wesleyan, which is impressive. They took one off of them, and they did win the series over Texas Wesleyan. So, I mean, Southwestern Christian, has a they have a puncher's chance. They have the good record. I'm interested to see what they do when they play the best teams they'll play this year because they still have their toughest schedule ahead of them. This is an offensive league, Cody, and pitching is going to win the offensive league every time just because, you know, if you can go out there and keep the other team from scoring, whether it be, you know, whether you win 9-8, to eight, it's just whoever pitching can keep that one extra run off the board. But six of the nine teams in this conference are hitting over 300. Sagu is hitting 313. Oklahoma City hitting 318. Science and Arts 335. Texas Wesleyan 338. Southwestern Christian 347. Wayland Baptist 356. And when it comes down to pitching – there is a monster difference, Cody, between USAO and everyone else when it comes to earn run average. USAO not only is the only team with a sub three staff ERA at 2.80, which is one of the best in the nation. I actually want to say a top five in the nation uh, staff ERA, but they're the only staff with under a four ERA. The next closest staff is Sagu, who has a 4.17, then Southwestern Christian with a 4.31, and then it just goes straight from there to a five. So this is this is an overly offensive league. It's it's big time offense. It's really the plays that are going to be made are going to be on the mountain because it's who can keep that extra runoff the board. It and like you said, year after year, this has kind of been a USAO, Oklahoma City battling it out, and then uh, Texas Wesleyan kind of in that third spot, hanging around, trying to pull some things off. That's been the, the you know what we're used to seeing, where we have seen things in the standings. But right now, I mean, Southwestern Christian at eight and one, Science and Arts seven and two, Oklahoma City seven and two. I'm I'm I would put my money on on Science and Arts. I know that there's been games this year that have been kind of like, man, I can't believe they dropped that. I don't think that they're as overall sound as they've been in the last couple of years, but they are still that team with the pitcher that I want to throw on that Friday night. Gene Moutonaire has looked better and better and better as the season has gone on as well. Yeah, they're the team to beat. I mean, I still think USA is the best team in the conference because like you said, they have the best player. They have Colton Williams. Uh, You know, they're going to win that game one game every single weekend. So, which I mean, what does that mean for the next day? It means you got to split a doubleheader to win the series, and we like their chances to do that. Southwestern Christian, they got Panhandle State this weekend. Big time matchups coming up for them. They end the season, they go at USAO, then they have okay. Well, actually, this is kind of a mixed series. They actually, I guess, because they all live in Oklahoma, that's kind of nice of them. So they do like a home game. Not a lot of conferences have that luxury, but that's nice. Good for them though. So, but yeah, they got USAO, Oklahoma City, and Wayland Baptist back to back to back. So, like I said, they literally are about to play the toughest part of their season. They will play this. I mean, it's going to be the three best teams they've played, albeit maybe not with Oklahoma Wesleyan. They did have a tough three-game test with Oklahoma Wesleyan. 
But outside of that, man, SCU, like I said, they this is kind of their year to do it. If they're ever going to make that jump, wouldn't you feel like this has got to be the year you're going to grab USA or OCU if you can? Yeah, no, most definitely. Most definitely. This is going to be the opportunity to do it for them. And they have a really good pitcher to to try and do that with in Victor Del Carmen because he's he's been really, really solid and, and his Sus Valoy has been really good this year also. But Victor Del Carmen has has been really good throughout his career at SCU. So it's going to be really interesting. And then uh, to to make your point there, Southwestern Christian, uh Mid America Christian, Oklahoma City, you could throw a rock and hit all three of those schools there in, in Oklahoma City. So it it is pretty cool that they do a split series where the, each team gets at least one home game in that series. And uh it's a good way to kind of build rivalries and uh build, you know, better and better matchups in the conference and things like that, uh to get fans out to the games and, and all that. It's going to be really interesting, Cody. I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens. But like I said, you know, uh, for myself, I just think USAO, from what we've seen, has been the team that kind of all all around has been the better uh, equipped kind of program because the pitching is there. We have seen it. It's lights out. It's it's really good. And even though they haven't, you know, there's been some closer games that maybe they have dropped that we wouldn't expect them to drop on a normal basis. You know, there's still a team that hits 335 and has a sub ER, sub staff ERA of, of under three. So, you know, it's, it's going to come down really closely. All three of these conferences that we really talked about today have been tight conferences, things that are going to be super close and it is going to make things really interesting. Cody, I got a score update for you. I know uh, we're, we don't usually do some live updates, but I'm watching Kaiser and Warner, and Warner with one out and runners on the corners in the bottom of the ninth just made it a you know a 12-12 game, and the runner just took second base as well as uh, looked like the Kaiser infield might have been sleeping there a little bit. So now they have runners at second and third with one out. Things getting tight for Kaiser here against Warner in a big matchup. Yeah, that one's absolutely wild. Uh, they were trailing in the ninth inning, and all in the eye ball third baseman Tim Bouchard hit a two-run home run uh, to put them on top. But then we started recording, so I'm guessing they blew the save, and Warner's actually in a chance to win the game now. Yeah, yeah, no, Warner is. And, and Warner had actually taken the lead in the bottom of the eighth. Bouchard puts the Seahawks back up in the ninth, and now we are all square away at 12 in the bottom of the ninth with one out and runners at second and third. So, you know, that's going to be a really interesting one because um, one of the things that we talked about actually last week, I think it was, is uh, we're not huge fans of these interconference, non-conference matchups, but one of those things, it's something that the Sun Conference does a lot. And I think, you know, it, it's good for you at the end of the day. Uh, Warner has won a lot of these games where it's been these interconference, non-conference matchups. Yeah, you're seeing it in the KCAC every single week, too. The KCAC is doing it every week. And I want to say the GSAC's doing it this week. I know they are because I saw uh, Westmont, William, Jessup are playing. So, yeah, I think a lot of teams are just trying to get games in when you can. And if you don't have, like, another opponent you can play and you don't want it to cross your conference record, I guess, you know, just get baseball in when you can. It is confusing, though, man. It makes it really challenging for us. It, it is you see the two. I mean, you see the two teams and you're like, oh, okay, that's a conference game. And then you're thinking, well, Okay, well, maybe only weekends are conference games. Well, that's not the case. In the KCAC, those Tuesday games count, so it's like it's so confusing. Yeah, no, it's it's been wild, uh, you know, and and I feel like because of, you know, some schools might have travel restrictions, things like that. Teams can't go as far, or or just anything. It, it could be anything. You know, we haven't seen as many teams, you know, playing non-conference matchups throughout the year and just kind of sticking with the teams that are a little bit closer to them. 
So it's it's going to be real interesting to see. I know myself as somebody who coached in the Sun Conference and was out there for a long time, you know, you do see these matchups as Kaiser gets a big strike out there, Cody. We could be seeing extra innings in this one. This would be one to watch as we get closer and closer to talking about weekend series. But right now, NAI Ball hitter and pitcher of the week, and our hitter of the week this week is Kentucky Christian University freshman Evan Juniper. He went 12 for 18 with three doubles, three home runs, and 16 RBIs. And then our pitcher of the week is not going to be any surprise. It's Columbia College pitcher Chris Wall, who had a no-hitter with 16 strikeouts. What a weekend for Chris Wall, a guy that, like you said, we've been watching for a long time. He came really close uh, in previous years, and this past year he gets it done so definitely congratulations to Evan Juniper and Chris Wall. Anything to add on these guys, Cody? I mean, just big-time performances. It's our first Kentucky Christian player of the week of all time, so that's cool for them. And uh, Columbia's Chris Wall, man, he's just a guy that's consistently been a dude for years. He's an AI lifer, and he's just consistently got it done. He's a left-hander that throws in the low 90s, and uh, every week he's going to strike out a lot of people. He's a huge strikeout guy. Had an incredible season last season, and it's just awesome to see him roll around and do it again in 2021. You know, it's really hard for people to have a repeat performance when you really have an incredible season. I mean, he was an all-NAI ball pitcher for us last year, and he's just kind of like a Colton Williams. It's kind of every weekend you know you're going to get a win when he's on the mound. Yeah, it, it definitely is. He, he's He's been a dude. And I think, you know, he's really bounced back because I don't think he had the start to the season that maybe we would have expected from him. Yeah, his first start wasn't his best start. But it's like, isn't that like the Colton Williams thing too? Like his yeah. first start, he did, he did walk a good people, a bit of people in his first start. But he's settled in. I mean, he's got like a one ERA right now, so he's he's locked in. So definitely a lot going on, but we have to congratulate our NAI ball hitter and pitcher of the week from Kentucky Christian and Chris Wall as well from Columbia. Cody, games and series that you need to be watching this weekend, and we hope these are correct. We hope we're not missing anything because we never know with Dax stats. And Cody, maybe something to keep an eye on and uh, but the rumor mill has it, and of course we will let our friends over at National Office in, in the NAI in Kansas City uh, confirm this, I'm sure, maybe at some point in the summer, uh, that you know we might be going away from DAC stats a little bit. That, that could be interesting, so that will be something to keep your eye on. But Loyola versus Faulkner, Mobile versus Bruton Parker College, Freed Hardeman in Bethel, Tennessee, Huntington versus Mount Vernon Nazarene, Doan and Concordia University, Nebraska, Milligan versus Tennessee Wesleyan, USAO Wayland Baptist, Viterbo Bellevue, Blue Mountain, William Carey, Friends, Tabor, and then Mobap and Lion. Any of those pique your interest there, Cody? Yeah, I have a feeling that I'm going to pick yours, and I'm not trying to step on your toes. But right. seeing this made me uh, realize we didn't give them a mention, and they definitely deserve one. Loyola last week to sweep number 14, William Carey. I mean, to take all three games, really impressive stuff. And they're undefeated now in conference play. So to obviously play a you know World Series favorite, a power team like Faulkner. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, no, that that's the one too that that I'm gonna be watching. Uh the, the Doan Concordia Nebraska series interests me as well. Again, we don't we we just never know if if Dak stats are gonna be right because sometimes, you know, these games aren't put on to Dak stats and other times they're not even put on to the the team's website. Uh but you know, that's that's one to keep an eye on if it does happen. If they do get to play, I hope so because that is a big one in the G Pack. But then Loyola and Faulkner, is, I'm an avid Loyola watcher, and Faulkner, year in, year out, death taxes in Faulkner to the World Series. 
which is a, th- a trend that I think really kind of started in 2013 when I went to the World Series as a player. I'm, I'm an avid Loyola watcher. The, the head baseball coach at Loyola was my head coach in college and Jeremy Kennedy. So I keep a, a keen eye on, on the, you know, the pack and what they're doing. Uh, I think that's going to be a big series. And I think Loyola has an opportunity to really turn some heads nationally. And then Faulkner has an opportunity to keep being Faulkner. You know, they, they are who we thought they are. They're Faulkner. They've been really good this year. And maybe they haven't lived up exactly to maybe the standards of Faulkner that internally that they want. But my goodness, they're sixteen and two. I, I think they they think they should be eighteen and zero this season. Yeah, man, Faulkner. Like I said, I feel like when you have a two week layoff like that, you're just so forgotten. And they come back and you're like, hey, Faulkner, yeah, they're really good. They just won that series over Gary. So yeah, Faulkner. They have like a they score like twenty one runs today against Point. Yeah, so, they yeah. put up twenty one to three, and they're up twelve to six right now. I'm not sure if that's uh, game has been finished or not, but they will not play any more games till this weekend when they play you know, Loyola. So they're looking to be 17 and two heading into that series at five and one in Southern state athletic conference play Loyola currently, you know, very quietly Cody sitting at 20 and eight with some wins over some really good teams. Like you said, that sweep of William Carey. Uh, they also have wins over a lion and then two wins over freed Hardeman as well. They split with freed Hardeman. So it's going to be really interesting as they get into the, the big part of that Southern state athletic conference schedule. Yeah, like you said, I mean, Kennedy's obviously a proven winner, and he's doing a really good job with Loyola. To take two games off Reed Hardeman and to, you know, take three games off William Carey, really impressive stuff. They're, they've obviously improved. I mean, they've obviously gotten better since he's gotten there and starting to show up on the field. Only two active coaches have taken two teams to the NAI, two different schools to the NAI World Series. Adrian Dinkle at Southeastern, who has taken Southeastern and Sterling, and then Jeremy Kennedy, who has taken Northwood, Texas, go Knights, and kaiser university so cody it's time now for our big series of the week and mentioning kaiser it's southeastern in kaiser in our big series of the week brought to you by our friends over at silverback sports shopsilverback.com and at shop silverback kaiser university and southeastern university it will be a big one and taking a look at it cody uh, Warner did walk off on a wild pitch to defeat Kaiser 13 to 12. So Kaiser is currently 28 and seven. They're 11 and four in Sun Conference play, not including today. We can include today. If we include today, they've scored 359 runs this season. Entering this Tuesday, they had a team average of 348 and a team ERA of 356. And entering today, Matthew Catalfo, 433 average, 58 hits, 45 RBIs. Tim Bouchard, a 410 average, 50 hits, now 11 home runs on the year. And not including what he did today, he had 45 RBIs entering the day. Pablo Arevalo has a 1.27 ERA with a 6-3 record in 70 and two-thirds innings pitch, 75 punch-outs, and a 188 opponent average. And then for Southeastern, 29-3, and 7-2 and two in Sun Conference play, 326 runs scored, 344, excuse me, 344 team average with a 3.34 team ERA. Sam Faith, man, he's been absolutely incredible this year. 429 average for him, 45 hits, 20 extra base hits, 9 long balls, 39 RBIs. Nick Batari, if there was a comeback player of the year award, it would be Nick Batari's by a long shot. 404 average, 14 home runs, 32 RBIs. And then Drew Gillespie, a 1.68 ERA, 
a four and one record and a 48 in a third innings pitch. He's done 62 strikeouts, opponents hitting just 174 off of him. Cody, if you're Kaiser, you win the series, you absolutely conference standing wise, you would think that you have to conference rating wise, excuse me, you would think that you have to put them in front of Southeastern, who currently is rated number one in the conference. Uh, Kaiser sitting at the second spot. If you're Southeastern, you really, you know, would put some distance between yourself and everybody else in the conference as far as rating goes, and then it just helps overall in your conference standings. Yeah, I mean, I think you'd have to. I mean, Kaiser, they certainly are going to place themselves in the top five. If you go in there and get a series win at Southeastern, which is, you know, no one's been able to do that this season. Looking at the all-time series, Kaiser leads 23-17, to 17, but going to the last 10, Southeastern's won 7 of 10. I think this is going to be a really fun series. Both these teams hit in the 340s. They're playing in a very hitter-friendly park, as we know. Uh, both teams hit home runs. I mean, Southeastern has 68. Kaiser has 55. Both of those are really good numbers. And I just think this is going to be absolutely big time. Uh, before the loss today, Kaiser was on an eight-game winning streak. As we know, with Southeastern, what are they, like 29-3 and three on the season? So I just think both teams have been incredible. The first game matchup I'm really looking forward to because I think Pablo Arevalo is the best pitcher Southeastern will have seen this season. Pablo Revelo has 10 starts on the year, has not given up more than two earned runs in any of them. 10 starts, no more than two earned runs in any single one. Just truly special. I um, mean, you have the one two seven ERA, you're like, oh man, that's really good. But then you realize this guy's pitched 70 innings. Yeah, national leader in innings pitched. Yeah, it's just really incredible. This is a guy that you know that if you need him to, he'll go eight, nine innings literally every single Friday. So, yeah, I think Arevalo gives them a chance to take that first game. And if you take that first game, like I said, you just got to split a doubleheader. It's literally that simple, uh, making it sound a lot easier than it is, especially against Southeastern. Because people can get a lead on Southeastern. Like, that's not been the issue this season. It has been sustaining it. It has been keeping them from absolutely exploding. I remember I texted you. You were in uh, San Antonio for this Our Lady of the Lake game. And I was like, hey, man, Freed Hardeman just hit a – Bases clearing double. They're up by four. And then, like, literally we have, like, a 20-minute phone call. When I got off the phone, Southeastern scored seven, and they were leading in the bottom. I mean, they just do it every single week. Their offense is relentless. As you said, Nick Batari, he's hitting 400 now. Now, the home runs have been there all season. I mean, that's why he's top two in the country. But the average is starting to creep up really high. I mean, he was a guy that was not hitting for a high average earlier in the year. Now he is. And, uh, yeah, I think he's just clicking. He's playing his best baseball now. Shout out to my dog being featured on the <laughs> this week. I apologize for that at home. But yeah, I think Southeastern has been uh, really good. I think Kaiser's really good, and I'm looking forward to it. It is going to be a great series. This is this is a series that's usually really good, and uh, I think that it's going to really come down to – I just – it's possible. I, I just don't see a sweep either way. Uh, I don't think so. I, I think, you know, one way or another, uh, uh, somebody wins – at least one game and, and there's not a sweep, but it's been really an interesting sun conference season, Cody, because St. Thomas drops a non-conference matchup to Weber international today. Uh, Weber international wins a big one. They're 10 and five in conference play. Kaiser's 11 and four Southeastern is seven and two. So the teams really haven't evened out yet to where you can tell who's going to be uh, really who. In, in that conference, but you know, you've got to battle the one, two rated teams here early on in, in conference matchups with a month left to go. Southeastern still has a big part of their schedule left to play. 
So I'm I'm super excited for this one. I think this was a no-brainer matchup that this was going to be the big series of the week. Absolutely. I mean, I think you have some of the best players in the country. You're going to see some of the most talented hitters, some of the most talented pitchers. Uh, Gillespie Arevalo, you look at Batara, you look at Tim Bouchard. Yeah, I just think this is going to be a loaded, loaded series. I think both of these teams are just incredible. I really do. I think both of them are very deserving of their top 10 ranking. Cody, before we sign off for the day, Top 25 comes out actually tomorrow, um, and we're recording this on a Tuesday. Top 25 coming out on Wednesday. Uh, We will have an Instagram Live for all of that. But are there any big changes you think coming to the Top 25? Yeah, I mean, just going off the conference ratings, I mean, I feel comfortable William Carey is going to fall out of the pool. They went one and five. You know, they got swept, and then they had one and two weekends, so they're out. Uh, LSU Shreveport's probably out. And just for like a bold prediction, I could be way off. And I think that you might believe this too. I think early the lake has a chance to be ranked this week. I I, I, I do. I believe it. I believe yeah, it. I, I think they do. And I think they deserve, I mean, deservingly so. Like you said, I mean, they uh, the resume they have to go out there and take four straight wins off Shreveport. I mean, Shreveport's a team that's, you know, they played really well in that Sterlington Invitational. Shreveport has good wins. They knocked off Oklahoma City twice. Uh, they beat Central Methodist, who's the top five team in the country. So for Lady the Lake to go out there and take all four games, to be on the run that they're on, I mean, they're just winning so many games in a row, playing their best baseball right now. I think they deserve to be a top 25 team. It, I, I think they get in. I think they get into the poll. I, I think you're spot on with, with some of the movement we'll see. I don't think we're going to see a ton of movement, maybe some some inner top 25 movement here and there. But uh, I think as far as teams falling out, I think it's going to be tough for William Carey to stay in. I think it's and, – and again, at the end of the day, we don't know because – while we know who the Raiders are, we don't get to see ballots or anything like that. And that, that would be really interesting if they did it like the uh, like USA Today does it with, with the AP poll. But we don't know where these teams are going to be. We don't know, you know what, these, what these Raiders are going to rank these teams as. So it's going to be really interesting to, to watch and see. And I'm super interested to, to kind of see where teams can fall. But – I do think Our Lady of Lake makes an appearance into the poll as well, uh, straight into it. I, I think, you know, in that 20 to 25 range. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I do. I do think they're going to come in the 20 to 25 range. And I got another one for you. And this one, I don't feel nearly as confident as I do for Our Lady of the Lake, but I think it's going to make you happy. You know who I think has a shot this week? What's up? Loyola. They're really? third in the Southern States Conference. I mean, they're third in the Southern States Conference. They just swept William Carey. They're 20 and 8, 6 and 0 in conference. Got the showdown with Faulkner coming up. I mean, they have them ranked ahead of Mobile, William Carey, Blue Mountain. I think it's possible. I mean, I think, I mean, if you're Loyola, when have you been 20 and 8, 6 and 0 in conference, you know, ready to roll with a big series against Faulkner? I think if you're ever going to do it, now's the time to do it. I think they played really well and they deserve it. You know what, and and uh, I would enjoy that. I'm a I'm a big believer in in Coach Kennedy and his process, and and somebody who, uh, you know, we talk about. We want to be non transactional people. We want to be transformational people, and and he's a transformational coach, and I can attest to that. And not just myself, but I can show you a whole phone book of of guys who can attest to that from you know even years before me. And uh, I'm a big fan of of Coach K and what he does there at Loyola, and you know, what he's going to develop there and what he's trying to do, because that's a challenge. That's, that's an academic school that you have to really kind of build up. You, you just cannot get anybody there because there are academic requirements that need to go into Loyola uh, for you to attend there. So uh, it's kind of, kind of like rice, I guess would be the the Southern standard for that. Cody would be the example and how rice you have to have a certain academic standard. And I know there are a few schools like that in, 
you know, in the NAI, I think Westmont would be one of them. I would imagine that any school with tech in its name also would, would uh, be That's like probably that. a good guess. Yeah, Oregon Tech, Indiana Tech, things like that. So, you know, it's happened before. Look at Indiana Tech just a few years removed from uh, going to the World Series. So, you know, it's it's doable. Uh, I'm I would I would enjoy that, and I know you know they would probably enjoy that too. Going into a big weekend with with Faulkner, so definitely, definitely, definitely a lot to keep your eye on. We will have all of that information for you, of course, tomorrow. Whether it be graphics on Twitter or Instagram or anything like that, we got to give a quick shout to Hunter Mounts out of Kansas, big fan of the show as well. Thank you for listening, and thank you to everybody who listens to the NAI Ball Podcast. Uh, whether you know it's it's that you listen here on Spotify, on Apple. Doesn't matter. We really appreciate y'all listening. The podcast has been downloaded now just in the last month and a week, over 4,400 times. We are looking forward to that being forty over 4,500. If we get it to 5,000, I mean, we might really just start going nuts here. So uh, definitely excited for the growth of this podcast and all of the help that everybody at home gives us in listening. And it was really cool to talk to parents on on both sides at Shreveport and Our Lady of the Lake who tell me that they follow the Twitter, they follow the Instagram, they love the Instagram, uh, you know, they love the videos, and as well, they, you know, love the podcast. So thank you to everybody. Of course, you can follow Cody, foremost authority on NAI Baseball, at NAI Ball on Twitter, and at NAI Ball on Instagram for all of your new stat scores and information that you will need to keep yourself up to date around the clock, 24-7, 365 days a year. You can follow me at RobG1063 on Twitter as well for anything that you will need. NAI, always down to talk some baseball. Cody, before we go, any final thoughts? No, man. It's, I mean, it's just crazy to me that we're in April. Like, we have a month left of the regular season. It is insane. Season. It feels like it's, we just started yesterday. It really does feel like we just started. So it's honestly crazy that it's April. But, yeah, I mean, we're sitting here back like, hey, we should probably look into these conferences. I mean, it's April, so – yeah, I'm just looking forward to the season playing out, man. We're getting closer and closer to Lewiston. 100% agree. We are getting closer and closer to the NAI World Series and my favorite time of the year, the NAI postseason. It is going to be absolutely fantastic, and I cannot wait for it. So until next time, I'm Robbie Gutierrez, and for Cody Butler, thank you for listening to the NAI Ball Podcast. For everybody here at NAI Ball, Connor Darnell, myself, you know, we hope that you have a great day and even better tomorrow. Stay safe, and we'll talk to you soon.